0: Thanks for tuning in to Jin and Tantra. Please like, subscribe, and share. This episode is a companion episode, a commentary, if you will, to the second part of our interview with Professor Robert Thurman. He dives deep into the tantric view on enlightenment and the multifaceted aspects of human potential. We break that down into bite-sized pieces so that it makes sense for our everyday lives, and we talk about how we can work towards achieving some of these states that these philosophies say are humanly possible. We also discuss the relation between epiphanies and memory, and the analogy of being omnivorous to being omniscient. For further reading from Professor Thurman, check out the Jewel Tree of Tibet, Liberation Upon Hearing in the Between, and the Infinite Life. We also reference the Flower Ornament Sutra, which you can simply Google and find a number of different translations that will strike you in different ways. We're very grateful to have Professor Robert Thurman on with us, and we hope that you enjoyed the episode. Welcome to Jin and Tantra, spirituality with a twist. The podcast that takes Tantrism, Buddhism, Taoism, Sufism, Kabbalism, Shamanism, Chinese, Medicinism <laughs> and all of the other isms we've been influenced by and blends them into a tall crisp cool cocktail your spirit has been longing I want for. You to get together. <sighs> now isn't that refreshing? I want you to get together.
1: All right, so as he was going through, he started talking about this part, which really got us into the model of these three kind of uh, aspects of the Enlightenment form, right? And this is, again, this was a a real, like, if you talk about epiphanies, this is an epiphanous thing for me, which is that um, Enlightenment is like a kind of an an evolved state. And that was the quote that we were kind of talking about from him. Enlightenment is, is something that you evolve towards. It's a series of epiphanous moments that you don't want to sell short, however they come across your path. But ultimately there's this idea that, you know, you can achieve this sort of state and it's making a radical claim about it, what a living thing can accomplish. Right. And I think it's really interesting because I don't even think his point is that you have to believe this. Maybe it's not entirely true. I've heard him say before, you know, maybe this is just a mass, like a hallucination of the Tibetan culture or the Asian culture. You know, maybe that's true. But either way, we can try to understand it, and uh, and uh, maybe even try to achieve it. <laughs> right. Well, he was saying that <laughs> we but... can try to find out for ourselves. I I know how you thought about this Daniel. I've tried to thought I've thought about this for myself too. I thought, well, if this is a thing or not, in my life, I'm going to see how far I can get to this, and I'll see if this is a thing or not. I don't yeah. know if it's a thing or not, but I'll try. I'll do the things that they're suggesting, and I'll see if I start to progress.
0: Right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think ultimately that's yeah. He did. He made he made a couple points. One was that he called it uh, enlightenment. Uh, is an evolutionary goal for the human platform, right? So that us as this kind of culmination of software and hardware combo that we can, we can evolve up to that point, you know, reach the sort of pinnacle of artificial and real intelligence. Right. And then simultaneously it's a culmination of all the cultures who believe in it and that it, but that it's not just belief because belief you know, faith is only going to take you so far. You have to be able to experience it, you know, and, and feel it for yourself. And so it's the, the, the combination of both of those things. So you can believe in something, but just because you can believe as hard as you want in Santa, the likelihood of Santa Claus coming to your house and actually being St. Nicholas with presents, you know, probably not super likely, you know, not super likely. And more importantly, there's not going to be some way to summon him you know, whereas with with this, there are specific and it's not just in the Buddhist culture. There's numerous other cultures that that discuss this, that there are ways in which that one can set themselves up for progress, for evolution, you know, in order to a- attain some states that are said to be along the path. And I think for me personally, that's the those are kind of like the crumbs along the trail. It's like I experience, at least for me, and I kind of work my own way, but. I experience some particular state, some thing, some moment, some experience. And then I look for it and I try and find it. Like, where is it? What is has someone else experienced this before? And what have they said about this? And then I find, oh, yeah, they have. And here's what they're saying. Okay, cool. So maybe it's not perfectly like what they're saying, but it's so close and I've heard no one else talk about it. They must have some idea. And, and so, if you say
1: that's how you build up confidence in things, people present things and you work along with it and you start to go, oh, wait a minute, what they're saying, actually, I'm getting something close to that. I can see what they're talking about.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's the belief part for me. And so then once you kind of start getting the, the breadcrumbs along the trail on your own, and then that's backed by things that you've reading or you've heard or you've you know felt, then it kind of tells you, okay, well, if they've gotten so far, some things right, at least with my experience, well, then they, they probably have more things right there's a possibility. Maybe these other things are true too. Right. There's a, po- so, there's there's a, a, there's a possibility. Possibility. <laughs> right.
1: Maybe it's not true, but you know, maybe right. it's also a, a nice way to spend your life trying to work for something great. Why not? Why not? Yeah. And he's actually, Dr. Thurman has said it before. You got something else going on. So great. <laughs> <laughs> why not try this one? You know, <laughs> maybe it's better than this other stuff, you know? And uh, to be honest, I think if it wasn't that you got better along the way, you get discouraged. But as it turns out, you do have those epiphanous moments along the way. I mean, I think we both can testify to you have great moments where you're like, oh, I'm actually learning. So even in terms of my development as a person, even if I can, even if I can never reach this high state, or maybe if this high state isn't even true, I'm still getting better all along the way. My life is getting better, my personality is getting better, my relationships are getting better. Everything is getting better for me as I go through this. Right. You know, just as a a, you know, again, the personal side of this, when I was in my twenties and I first started studying Zen. If you talk about stories of people, um, the founder of G, uh, the Zen temple that I started uh, uh, working through, Tonoi Rotaishi, he um, uh, was a, like a high school music teacher. And he was a passionate martial artist, and he got all these black belts and these multiple martial arts. And at a certain point, he was like, okay, I'm going to see whether or not what these Zen people are saying is true. He didn't say, I'm gonna, I believe it all up front. He didn't say that. He said, yeah, I'm going to go through. I'm going to see the experiences they're talking about. I'm going to try to like make some progress myself. And I'll, I'll, I'll uh, you might say theory test this. I'll go through and I'll see if I make progress. And as he made progress, he was like, okay, I'm making progress. Exactly what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like he said, he's going to believe everything up front. Yeah. Right. But it got to the point really of like, what is, what are the possibilities of this? And this is where you really get to the part of Buddhism that is radical in my mind because it's making a radical statement about what a living thing is, it's really saying that you have these multiple dimensions to who you are. Right? Uh, This is this three body model of a person that eventually can become an enlightened person. And one part of you really is infinite, right? Transcendent of even your locality in this space and time, you have an infinite aspect to who you are. And that's a radical statement, right? Um, but you know, that's kind of the deeper part of what Buddhism is saying that you have this part of you and you can start to tap into that part of you via meditation and via your experiences. You can become to know that that is a part of who you are. Um, so that's, that's the radical claim, right? I think that's probably the most radical claim of Buddhism, uh, and a lot of these spiritual traditions. What do you think of that, Daniel?
0: I mean, this is something that I've heard, you know, professor thurman talk about i've heard other people talk about you and i have talked about it um i think a lot of traditions talk about this you know uh maybe not in such a specific way or at least i haven't been exposed to in such a specific way but i will say personally like i've been experiencing that since i was a child and my guess is that many many children also do And it's that it's this experience, at least in my interpretation, for me personally, you could certainly say how it is for you. But for me, it's this experience of like feeling so large that I I can't be bound within a, a singular body, right? That I have sort of become more than just the culmination of my own individual organs and cells and bones and skin, but that I'm more... I've merged with the field of infinite space. Like to say that I have a defined boundary is not accurate anymore. And then I'm just some like in the like if it's if it's as if you were to not just look at the river anymore, but feel like you are both ends of it at the same time while you were connected to both bodies of water that it was running from or to and the rain that it was coming down from it and the steam that was coming off of it all at the same time you would feel like you were all of those things
1: so there's like a kind of like in the buddhist thing there's an interesting tantric buddhist part of it there's an interesting that happens where partly it's experience same with zen and any of these things you meditate and you start to feel yeah there probably is more to me than uh than what i'm thinking of right and you start to have that experience like kind of what you're talking about daniel and i think a lot of meditative people have this experience yeah there's a part of me that's like not confined just into this physical shell, right? That's part of me that's more than that. And then also I think what Dr. Thurman was doing in kind of a great way, and I think the Buddhist tantric thought does this, which is once you start to realize that, you can start to say, wait a minute, maybe even on an intellectual level, I can start to see this is true too. Maybe as I look around me and I start to see the world, it looks like I'm this separate thing. And on a certain relative level, I am. But on another level of who I am, I'm actually interconnected with all of these things. And intellectually, I sort of know that that's true now, because I've had that experience like what you're talking about, Daniel, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I also have these people saying, oh, yeah, it's like that. And so now I can start to challenge my own thoughts in the moment, saying, huh, I feel like I'm just some separate dude sitting here doing this little podcast thing. But maybe I'm not. Maybe there's another part of me that is expansive in this way. And he kept doing that. If you listen kind of close to it, he kept going between... This infinite aspect and this relative aspect. And like both of these things keep like bouncing back and forth. There's a great little three part way of talking about this that he didn't use this phrase, but they do use. They call it ground, path, and result. You know, and the ground of a person is a statement of like, what are living things? And we normally would think in our culture, well, I'm just this kind of bag of bones walking around, right? But in this way of thinking, no, there's part of me that is connected to this bag of bones walking around, but there's a part of me that has this infinite aspect too. And even as an, he kept using the word inexpressible, even as an an inexpressible as this is, we can start to try to talk about this a little bit, right? And try to like, at least explore it with words and explore it with conversation. And then we can also explore it with experience. So on this idea, in the, in the three bodies idea What ends up happening is you have this, this free, he kept using the word free, right? The nature of things is freedom. Mm -hmm. So there's a deep part of you that is just
0: naturally like that.
1: Sometimes you might use the word Buddha nature for that or something like that, right? You have this naturally free, more infinite part of who you are.
0: But you could put the word soul in there if you want to, or some yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, something like that. spirit will work. The Chinese culture, they have the word shen works for this. Yeah. I mean, right? we've mentioned these this terms before, the but we're just trying to give reference so that it doesn't seem it's not dogmatic. I mean, they're they're, you know, like the the the, the, the title of the second episode is expressing the inexpressible. So we're putting construct on something that doesn't have construction. You know, we're trying to label things for, for, con, you know, for conception, for, you know, conceptual, for context, but you know, what you can call a river, a river, but is that its name? Probably not. But if you play it back and forth, there's a part that's handy dandy just to say, okay, let's
1: think about this way. Let's yes. explore this too. So yes. there's a there's an interplay back and forth between the, it's inexpressible. And yet let's say some things, because these might right. be actually sparks for us to realize things. Yeah. So there's, a, there's an interesting kind of dance happening, right? Little tantric dance happening between these different levels of expression, yeah? All right, so the way this ends up playing out is you have this, you know, in the theory, in the model, right, uh, you, uh, and we're medical people, so it's not bad to have a model, right? Even though, even though we know the model isn't the reality, right? Even so, artists
0: like models. Uh, that's so true.
1: <laughs> and you need them, right? Hmm. Yeah. So um, if you look at it, you know, there's a part that they might call uh, Dr. Thurman was talking about what he was calling the reality body, right? This is based on the word dharma, a very complicated kind of word in in, uh, Indian culture, means lots of different things, right? Uh, Dharma has lots of different levels of meaning. But he really likes the personal translation of reality, you know, dharma is what what is actually real, uh, reality around you. Sometimes people use the word wisdom. So if you're studying some Buddhism and someone says wisdom, that's what
0: Dr. Thurman means when he says reality. Yeah, right. some people also like teaching, teachings.
1: Yeah, that's true about the word Dharma. I, I haven't heard that used in describing this particular Buddhist realized state teaching. Um, I haven't heard that, but I, it means it could mean path too, like the word Tao right. in Chinese culture. Yeah. But in this case, they're really talking about this deepest part of who a person is that is ultimately infinite. Now that's a leap of faith to make, I guess in the beginnings, right? Of learning about this, but you know, why not make the leap a little bit, right? At least open up the possibility. Sometimes, uh, you know, in the arts, the arts they say you have to suspend disbelief. So you're suspending disbelief a little bit to say, okay, maybe I do have this more infinite part of who I am. And the idea is that this infinite part of who you are as the as the um, path of like, um, tantric path or whatever spiritual path you're following goes forward, this infinite part of who you are, can have this epiphanous realization, you know, this moment of realizing that it's connected with everything. So it's not just a thing that is even just transcendent, like it's all just even space or something, because he said that a lot, he said, you know, Dr. Thurman, he said, you know, you could feel this space thing. But you know, don't get tricked by that either. Just to feel like you're infinitely space. That's, that's a realization, right? And it's a realization on the path of spiritual people to realize this space thing. But what he was saying, the trick is, is that you also realize that you're connected with all these other relative things, too. So you have this infinite aspect of yourself that kind of realizes its interconnection with everything. And that is the, what the nature of a kind of like a Dharmakaya is, this experience of that. And then also finding it to be blissful that it's a joy and a bliss to feel this, right? And the Kaya, Dharma Kaya dharmakaya meaning like reality and Kaya meaning body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He talked about these different bodies. So the word kaya is used as body. I don't think he used the word Kaya. I think I'm falling into that. You are. But yeah, yeah. But uh, Kaya is, uh, but see, I think it's not bad to know these technical terms because <laughs> eventually someone's going to use them and you might as well know who they are. But that can be a, a bait that Daniel and I have. <laughs> Uh, but but you know, so that's the idea so he, when he was talking about bodies he was talking about this kaya term so dharma meaning reality and kaya meaning a body and yeah you know, it's a it's a radical claim it's but it's a it's a it's a it's a claim of spiritual potentiality and I it's think, inspiring i think it's
0: inspiring i think I'll, another term that could be used is aspect i don't know if that's a, the right you know translation is as you know kaya is an aspect I know it's supposed to be a body but when someone so for people who've never heard this term before if I'm saying that you have three bodies you know like, or, like I, an aspect of yourself right and none of these are they're not divisible you're not you're not taking one apart from the other but for the conversation we are obviously but you could say an aspect of yourself has the potential to be limitless in space
1: and interconnect with all
0: things and right and one with everything yeah 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 yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think I like
1: the word aspect too. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Maybe the word body could like seem confusing because you're like, well, I got one body all of a sudden we're talking about these three bodies.
0: What happened right. here? Right. right. It's right. different aspects of a living thing. Right. It's like a rain, yeah. you know, like, like blue is one aspect of the rainbow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But you know, you could be all the other colors too. And then the blue is just the one part. Right. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So I think, like for maybe our people who are more like coming from the Chinese medical side or more the Chinese side, we do talk about that. We talk about the three treasures that make up a person: your physical form,
0: your energy, and your shen and your consciousness. Same idea. And and even in today's like you know Western healthcare, they they talk about you see a they use a lot in advertisements. You know, mind, body, spirit. Here at Advocate Healthcare, like we, you know, what I'm saying, like. <laughs> Whether they like Even believe- even advocate healthcare, which is one of even the most corporate ad- things in the world is probably doing it. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're giving rise to that terminology and not just a terminology, but the understanding of its presence in the lexicon of, of today's understanding.
1: Yeah. So true. Right. So that's really what they're talking about. And they're really saying that that's the ground of who you are, but you know, there's this potential within that. If you go on the little spiritual journey of a path to reach this, uh, Uh, Ground path result, right, to reach this end, and this is the this is kind of like one of the deeper claims of uh, you know tantric Buddhist thought that this is possible for people, right? I like it, like he he talks about it somewhere else. Dr. Thurman does, where he says it's almost like an orgasmic experience too to realize that you're connected with other people. Maybe it's Mm. like one of the best orgasmic experiences you're gonna have, Mm. because normally I think he, he said that you know we're we're in situations where we feel anxiety and fear and if someone were to tell you you're going to be connected with everything you'd probably recoil it's like no i don't want to be connected with everything but to get to this deeper experience of feeling this interconnection connection in this way when your own he says it very powerfully it's a it's a tantric metaphor when your own individual aspect of yourself your own individual spirit realizes its connection with everything it's like the the two, two partners coming together in this blissful experience, you as one partner and everything else is the other partner. And that like unites together and it's, it's blissful, you know, and that's the experience of like sort of the, this dharmakaya idea, right. That you have that as a possibility. And that, again, I think it's a radical claim in Buddhism, but uh, it's an awesome claim. Right. Yeah. That's a superhero. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's even better than Superman from Krypton or whatever. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, so that's, that's, that's the idea, right? Uh, so when you're listening to it, maybe if that helps to put it into context, that's kind of what's being said there, right? This is this, this deeper aspect as Daniel's using the term for Kaya or they usually will use body, but those, like you know, any of those phrases will capture it, whatever works for you. That's the idea, right? To kind of get to that place. Mm-hmm. So that's part of this kind of enlightened state thing you know, that Dr. Thurman is explaining. And then he kind of says that you can divide that like, up into multiple aspects or bodies or kayas. You, know, you can think of that as a two-part thing where part of it is this kind of infinite thing. And then you can also think that there's the capacity then to reappear in uh, uh, more relative forms right, to other living things around you to sort of help them out. So this is the sort of compassion part. So sometimes it's said that, you know, this reality body is the part that like liberates the person, they discover their own freedom, uh, but then driven by compassion and love and caring for other living things that you now feel you're connected with, you know, do you have this ability to go through and then like, reappear in different ways to them, which is also a kind of a radical claim, right? But that is part of the claim of Buddhism, too, that there's this. Once you reach this kind of more connected to everything, well, maybe you can reappear to everything in ways that all of a sudden are useful. And so Dr. Zerman will say that maybe you can appear as like a chair or a table or as a person or as a book or as a can of motor oil or as a donut or whatever people need. Right. As a washer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Washer when you can't get the nut to hold onto the bolt or something. Right. (laughs) Or, Or for your clothes. (laughs) also for your clothes when you have like a stain down the front of your shirt like i had yesterday because i spilled my coffee
0: yeah you
1: know yeah so it's this kind of idea now again that's radical you know i i i don't think you can say it's not but you know that's what that's what they're kind of telling you to like maybe think about you know or maybe try to like over the course of your life maybe at least try to understand how that would be possible and explore you know because then the Buddhist path becomes how do you how do you transform these potentials in yourself maybe to these realities and I, I think he's honest too. And I think all of us can be honest. Is this going to happen? Uh, is this a real thing? I don't know, but it's a, it's a pretty cool idea, <laughs> right? It's kind of a nice way to spend your life, you know? So it opens up this real possibility. Okay, so that's the idea that he talks about these two parts. Then when, when people say that, they usually talk about kind of a, uh, a reality body using his uh, translation and a form body the form body appearing for others. So when you hear him talking about reality body and form body, that's kind of the, the basic idea of that, right? That in this enlightened state, this this extraordinary thing happens, right? And um, you, uh, you have both these parts of you, one part driven by love and compassion, the other part kind of your own experience of your own deeper freedom, that's the reality body and form body. But then they split it again, right? Sometimes this form body is split up into two parts, and he really didn't talk as much about this, but nice just to kind of say it. So, and he talks about it in other places. So if you get inspired to listen to more Dr. Thurman, you might go out and hear him talk about these things in other places. So I really think the liberation upon hearing in the between is a really nice one for him. So I kind of brought that up in the episode. Do you have a favorite one, Daniel?
0: Yeah, that one I like, well, there's three that I kind of think are useful for people. So there And they're all audio book in addition to regular book, but audio is nice. Uh, the first one is The Jewel Tree of Tibet, which is a really nice introduction into Tibetan practice, Tibetan Buddhist practice, and just some ideologies that are really nice, you know, um, and, and he does a really wonderful job of not being dogmatic about it. He's like, well, in this position, in this visualization, you're supposed to see this person, but, you know, put whoever you want in there if you like. You know, Mary, then you put Mary in there. If you like a lizard, you know, you put the lizard in there. Like, well, whatever, you make it your own. So that one's cool. Liberation upon hearing in the between is the, his translation of the Tibetan Book of the Dead, uh, which is a, a really a great translation. He does a nice job of making it very usable, of making the language very usable. There's a couple of really good meditations in there for those who are interested in that sort of a thing also. Um, but then I think the other one was um, infinite Infinite Life. And Infinite Life also is an audio book, but Infinite Life is an interesting take on all the various aspects of putting your practice into practice, right? In, into the actual life cycle itself. And it's very practical. And for those who are looking to kind of not just sit on a meditation cushion and and try and you know focus on your breathing or some other thing, but actually live a life that has the, aspects of yourself that you're trying to cultivate in it this does a really nice job of putting them in a very clear concise language in order so that you can try and and see where you're at and and if you want to improve upon them then he helps you you illuminate some of those areas that you can improve upon
1: so It's kind of like different works for people who are approaching it
0: in different ways and maybe on like
1: different levels of experience what they're trying to access yeah. right yeah, yeah. So we're going to the really the deep part. And he does do this in, uh, you know, his audio lecture version of liberation upon hearing in the between. So I'm trying to reference that one a lot. Right. So if you want to do another listen to that, that's a good one. You know, if you're kind of like, Oh, I'm inspired by this, I want to know more about this. So once you get to this reality body thing, you know, this idea that if you go your mind, your body and your spirit, right. Um, uh, You know, this part of yourself that would be sort of more like uh, your energy aspect of who you are, uh, can reappear as what they call a Sambhogakaya. And the Sambhogakaya idea is that um, it's uh, an energetic form that also extends everywhere. Um, It's usually visualized as as some kind of divine form. So a lot of times when you visualize this, it will be visualized as like, you know, when you see pictures of like the Buddhist deities, you know, they're kind of there and they're representing the energetic qualities of enlightenment of the Sambhogakaya, right. Um, so it's kind of a subtle energetic thing, the most subtle aspect, again, there's a theory of reality going on here, the most subtle aspect is this reality body part, but then there's the Sambhogakaya part. Uh, um, um, Sambhogakaya is a word that really has a lot to do with like, um, Tantra too, in the sense that it connotates bliss right? Or enjoyment. Sometimes it's translated that way. The enjoyment aspect, the bliss aspect of who you are. Uh, Simboga has references back to orgasmic pleasure too, right? It's rooted in the same word. And so it's this appearance of this subtle energetic form of who you are. You can kind of, while you're training, it's inconceivable as Dr. Thurman kept saying, but you can kind of visualize it as this divine form of who you are. And it's more Uh, it's more subtle than maybe the gross physical reality around us, but it's not as subtle as this more highest part of who you are, this reality body, this most subtle part of who you are. It's kind of an in-between aspect of a person. And, um, and then I think part of the idea is that, you know, people who have the ability can kind of see that manifestation of that enlightened person too. So I think the idea would be that, you know, if you, have that ability, you can kind of see that divine form. What you're really seeing is this Sambhogga Gaya aspect of enlightenment. So when you have that vision, that's what you're seeing. And that's kind of, again, a a radical claim, but kind of a beautiful claim too.
0: Yeah. I think um, to use kind of like a new agey term, uh, this would be something along the lines of like your highest self, right? Like the highest version of yourself. And it's not a perfect, you know, transliteration, but I think it's pretty good because some people don't, you know, may not have familiarity with things, but if you can imagine that the um, most evolved version of yourself is this sort of very subtle kind of energetic being of just pure energy and happiness or love or bliss or something like this, then this is what, and this is what you're kind of striving to be all the time, then that you can sort of see yourself as this as this, you could see yourself as, and that this inherently in these teachings is an aspect of who you are all the time simultaneously. And so for people who can, you know, perceive this, when someone would perceive you in in your like truest state, you know, like we have, you know, we probably have had boyfriends or girlfriends in the past who were probably not so great for us, but we could always see the best in them. You know, I I see the best in them, you know, and, and probably people did the same for us. But they're probably seeing some aspect of that Sambhogakai or some aspect of your highest self that is accessible to people who really, you know, care deeply and, and, and choose to look beyond some of the, you know, the bruises and the fruit. But that if you practice being in that version of yourself frequently, then it becomes less subtle. It still is subtle, of course, but it becomes less subtle. It's not so deeply hidden below the surface.
1: Well, it's kind of like an interesting thing. There's like multiple parts going on with that, right? On the one hand, you could say the most deep part of the thing, this reality body is kind of formless. It doesn't really have a shape or a form, right? It's a formless thing, you know, but then when you get to the Sambhogakaya, it does have a sort of an energetic form to it, right? You've used the visualization of, uh, of the divine kind of imagery to kind of capture the feeling. It's inexpressible and it's energetic, but that's a way of trying to capture it to our minds. And it's true that it's probably is like what you might say is like a, a higher aspect of the self or something like that, right? That's kind of there in potentiality. And the whole idea, like I think what you said there, Daniel too, was if you if you practice on this, and this is something the Dalai Lama says, how do you achieve this enlightened form that we're talking about? You practice on it, you practice contemplating it, you practice kind of trying to visualize and embody it and that's how you kind of ultimately develop these things that's dr thurman's evolutionary process you know part of your spirituality is you go and you say okay i'm going to imagine the part of myself i'm going to visualize the part of myself that's formless and fills all space and connects with all beings in love and bliss that'll be my meditation and the next part of my meditation is i'll imagine myself that like is whatever cool image of enlightenment i like Mm -hmm. right you know, maybe I like Tara because I like this feminine imagery of Tara. So you can do a search later on for Tara if you don't know Tara. Beautiful female figure, you know, uh, regal, you know, and beautiful. Maybe that's what you like to see, right? Or maybe you like to see, you know, some people like to see things where there's lots of power involved. you like to see a powerful image, right? So you meditate on that. Or uh, maybe you like wisdom and you like to see Mandra Daniel has a kind of a love affair with Mandra <laughs> <laughs> right? Mandra is the... Uh, emanation of kind of wisdom he carries the sword that like is the mind that's able to see through all dualities. And he carries a book, which is the communication of knowledge. You know, Daniel and I love Montessori. I got a Montessori shooting at my altered home for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, you know, you can kind of see yourself that way. What are you doing when you're doing that? Like, What's the purpose of that? <laughs> well, you're trying to tap into your that part of yourself that has that potentiality. And that's the Sabogakai idea. You know, you're, you're visualizing something that has a form now, but that form now has a, these uh, wonderful qualities that are there latently, latently within you anyways, that you're trying to tap into through that visualization. So that's kind of like step two, right? Yeah. And this whole thing, you can see the formless part. You can also see the the more form part, but this is the subtle form part. We've done these things on the, the Tibetan book of the dead too. We've done our commentaries on it. And, you know, this is the part that is what they sometimes call the bardo body the seed of this part of who you are is the part that travels through the bardo. So if you want to go back and listen to those lectures, or if you hear somebody talking about the bardo, this subtle energetic aspect of a person, after the passing away of the person, they go back and they kind of first go back to this infinite part of who they are. But then they come back out again as this subtle energetic form before they reconnect into a new body. So this subtle energetic aspect of who you are, that's kind of the the seed of this sambhogakaya That's the that's the view of reality we're talking about, right? You have these multiple parts, multiple aspects as Daniel so well said, of who we are. And then one aspect is this subtle energetic aspect that we all have, you know? And, uh, and this part becomes the seed of this simbhogakaya once it kind of appears now in this beautiful form. It's sometimes compared to a dream too. When you're in a dream, you have this uh, uh, subtle aspect of who you are that appears. They talk about that in Tibetan and Asian culture, right? And that's kind of an analogy too, right?
0: all right good i think a good um t- we're so lucky because we have technology you know for many reasons but if you think of yourself as a piece of you know the body is kind of like a piece of hardware you know and then then the inti- inside is the software it fits it it leans it's it, it leans itself so easily to kind of like these ideas that there is some part of myself right like on my phone if i get a new phone i just upload everything to the cloud you know and then i get a new phone and i put my my information in there and boom there everything is right there you know and under then under the next new upgraded hardware and so i think this- that
1: word uh let me cut your cut your flow man. i think that word information is great because the simbogakai is kind of like information isn't it mm-hmm. so if you can start to like if you vibe with the word information that's perfect
0: Yeah, you just Just different
1: levels of information that are all there. Right. Yeah,
0: they're all out there. And so you just start you kind of tap into that. And, you know, like we talk about when people pass, it's like, okay, well, then their their information gets, you know, dislodged from their current state.
1: We did to the great cloud in the sky.
0: Right, right. <laughs> the
1: great reality body in the sky. Yeah. That's <laughs> or it. everywhere, not even in the just in the sky.
0: Right. Because yeah. all information is stored in the cloud. At least all information that yeah. has been put there in the first place. This is a larger cloud. This is the cloud the cloud that, that we are talking about is within the larger cloud that we are referencing. You know. There's uh, the technological cloud that we've all gotten used to. And there's lots of
1: there. I mean, I think when it first came around, there's lots of jokes. Where's the cloud? Nobody knows. Right. <laughs> Right. But we're used to that idea, you know, that we can have all this information. Everything is kind of everywhere. I mean, I th- you could even say that our, at this time in our culture, we have these little c- cues that are appearing that are even helping us understand this in ways that some Tibetan farmer wouldn't think of.
0: For might. sure. For yeah. sure. So we're not that smart. Just that's, that's long story short.
1: <laughs> we're doing the best we can though.
0: They, they figured this out long before they had any any fake clouds, you know? <laughs>
1: So this is a little bit where Dr. Sermon was talking about the the mirror example, too. Mm. So he he gave a couple of analogies as he was going through. So, you know, it was this idea of, I think that has a lot to do with the way he was trying to describe this Dharmakai of experience, but that's another way of thinking about analogies. So, you know, Daniel's using the analogy of the cloud, right? And information, right? If you like the word energy, you could use the word energy. Energy has multiple levels. Some are really subtle. That's your reality body. Some are a little bit more, less subtle. Right, that could be the part of you that you know uh, you're meditating on to become this kaya right? And so he was talking about the mirror, and you know, and and he was saying, you know, when you see yourself in the mirror, you start to realize, well, there's these multiple aspects of myself, and part of it is like the infinite surface of the mirror, and part of it's me there, so I can see the infinite, and I can see the relative qualities. And I think what he was getting to there too it was that we can once we learn that we can start to recognize that once we know what a mirror is, we can start to see, okay, wait a minute. You know, I'm a, I'm a one person here, but I'm also like this image in this mirror. I can intellectually start to get that. So when I think about it now, I, I, I'm not really always, I always getting it totally, but I can sit there in the room and go, Hey, I'm Eric sitting in this room. But I also think to myself, there's a part of Eric. That's like kind of everywhere. And, you know, uh, and we could start to get that. So he he did a lot of stuff where he was using these analogies that were pretty great, you know, kind of dropping them into the conversation to give Dr. Thurman our our gratitude and props for coming on and sharing all that stuff with us. Right. Yeah. Okay. so the last part of these three different aspects, these three different Kaya's or aspects, we have this reality body that's kind of formless and everywhere, interconnected with everything in this blissful way. Its bliss is so intense that even though it sort of knows the sufferings of other living things, it's not disturbed by them, right? It can still kind of hold on to its own bliss while still being able to see that other people are struggling, right, and in turmoil. And Dr. Sherman was talking about that too. And he he gave multiple analogies for that. One was kind of the doctor analogy. You know, if you were a doctor who was partly infinite, you would understand everything in that person's body, right? And you'd also have bliss. So when you had to do a treatment, you wouldn't flinch. You'd be still in the state of bliss when you're working with that person. And um, uh, uh, wouldn't that be the best kind of healer to be, right? So he gave these multiple analogies of this, which I thought was very cool. <laughs> I think we've all had that experience too. I mean, as acupuncturists, you kind of, uh, you have. we all have these moments where like, I know what's going on in this person's body, right? You had that experience too. Yeah, Daniel?
0: Oh yeah, everybody has. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what, what they're really saying
1: in, in in the zen tantric and buddhist stuff is that yeah trust that experience that's a real thing right, right. you know i can remember my my first zen retreats you're sitting there and you, you develop this hyper acuity to what's going on in other people like you're just really attentive and you start to realize like oh i think that person's back hurts
0: well, we we have this think in our. I that person is having this. We have those experiences. Yeah, we have those in our in our daily life. Two people who you're connected with, your you know, significant others, family members. I know, you know mother's intuition, you know, mm-hmm. and we don't want to reduce father's intuition. I and mean, it's not really a famous thing, but you know, we'll we'll give them some intuition too. Yeah, um, we papas have our intuitions too. Yeah, yeah, you know, but people or you know, it happens all the time. You're thinking of somebody, and then they'll call you you know, or you're concerned about a friend or family member and you reach out to them and lo and behold, they're like, how did you know? You know, just there's, you know, it's more or less subtle depending on, you know, the radical claim in Buddhism, I think ultimately is that we all have this
1: infinite part of ourselves. Yeah. That's how you know. It's not just some fluky thing. It's because you have this part that actually is connected to that person. You are entwined with that person on some level, right? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So, um, All right, so then when you get to the last part of these things, of this material body that has two parts, the other part is what's called the mnemonicaya. And that's the part that like tries to appear in the most gross physical forms. So if, if, um, it's kind of like, you know, when they talk about like an enlightened person appearing that's trying to teach the people, that's kind of their mnemonicaya. You know, they have these other aspects of who they are, but now they're kind of sending out an avatar. Hmm. Right. We have all these modern ways of talking now. Right. we can think about having an avatar and that's that person's avatar to reach out to other people to say, Hey, let me try to like, help you out. Let me try to share something with you that might have value. So that's kind of the idea of the Monikaia part, this reaching out in a way that can like uh, access other people. And they do say that, you know, and this is where Dr. Thurman gets very creative in this, but you know, this Monikaia could be a person, you know, or it could be really like a, a thing in the environment that's just whispering to you going, hey, you know, think a little deeper about this. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite uh, you know, Japanese Zen poets is Iku and he's enlightened when he hears the sound of a crow. So like underneath the surface, maybe that crow was a little bit of enlightenment, cacawing, cawing you know, with the crow mm-hmm. sound to get him to recognize something, you know, in that moment. That's a beautiful way of thinking about reality too. Mm-hmm. You know, everything around you is trying to whisper to you, mm-hmm. you're enlightened. You know, in potentiality, just go through and do it. You know, the whole world is
0: whispering to you in that way. It's beautiful. Well, I think I've mentioned it before on here, but if I haven't, then let this be the first time, but maybe not the last. That, like, we talked about some of these um, experiences right before along along the path. Well, I forget what was the word that you used, Eric. Epiphanies. Epiphanies yeah. Yeah. And it like, for me, the uh, epiphany, f- feeling-wise. Feels very similar to a memory, you know, to when you recall something to recollection. That yeah, makes sense. And if we just extract that, you know, to thinking about well, the you know, Iku heard became enlightened when he heard the sound of the, the the crow cawing, and that the universe is you know filled with all these kinds of beings who are trying to remind us of our natural inherited state, you know, our our birthright state. That epiphanous moments. And memories are the same, you know, are kind of the same thing.
1: That yeah, was a big part of like Plato, right? It's it's like, you're not, oh, sometimes it's not really like you're learning something new. You're just remembering something that you already, already yeah. knew. Yeah. Actually, to be honest, like, and I think it's okay to talk about this. When I first met uh, Lama Glenn, Glenn H. Mullen, you know, one of my really beloved teachers, he was trying to like say that to me. He was trying to say, don't forget that you already know all this stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Remember that you already know it all, you know? And that's not just for me, you know, because I'm, you know, whatever. That's just like, like, that's how we are. You know, it's a statement of what we are. We're, we're beings that are, you know, maybe beyond just this flesh and bones that are walking around. We have these mm-hmm. other aspects to ourselves. So, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think we're trying to describe it as actually ac- accurately as we, as we can, just to give you like, this is the worldview they're talking about. And then you mm-hmm. get to decide for yourself, you know, and different people have different attitudes, but at least you understand what's being said. You know, you're living in a world where there's this, Part of you is infinite and can, and can interconnect with everything in this, you know, blissful way, you know, and then part of you can appear in this more subtle kind of way, like you might see in a, a, an icon, right, of a, a Buddhist icon, or whatever, whatever you like, right? If you like some other set of images, you like those more, that's totally fine too, whatever is inspiring to you. And then part of what's happening in the world is like uh, enlightenment energy is appearing all around you trying to say, hey, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of go give you a little wake up call, right? That mm-hmm. you realize this about yourself too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So if we get if we get to like kind of the, the the last few things I think he said that might be helpful to talk about. And I think it's one of the ones you really like, which was the mountains are mountains, rivers are rivers. And then ultimately though, you know, there's these steps, right? So he says, when you're first on your first stages, you think mountains are mountains and rivers are rivers. But then when you start to get a little bit more <clears throat> along the way, you start thinking, wait a minute, you know, um, these are not just mountain rivers. These are extraordinary things, right? But then in the end, you pull it all back together again, where you can see the mountains as mountains and rivers as rivers, their relative aspects. And you can also pull together and see their infinite aspects. You know, we had the episode we were talking about with uh, Lama Glenn, and we've used the phrase a couple of times, optical delusions, Einstein's Mm. phrase, right? Mm -hmm. We're all victims of optical delusions. We think that, you know, everything is just, like is in the mundane way it appears to us to our normal everyday senses. But we sort of know that isn't true. You know, we know some physics and we know some whatever. We know that isn't true. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Things are much more extraordinary. So then you're at that point, you know, and they have infinite qualities to them. You know, everything has these amazing qualities. Uh, We did our episodes on the multiverse. Things are amazing, right? And at the other hand, they can all, you can see both sides. You can see the relative side and then the infinite extraordinary sides. You can unify those two together. I think for Dr. Thurman, it was really important that he point out that I think when people say in the beginning mountains are mountains and rivers are rivers, and then you kind of realize that they're infinite and extraordinary, and then you go back in mountains and mountains are rivers and rivers again at the third stage, it almost seems like you're kind of giving up to the mundane reality, you know, some people will try to pitch it that way, but he was definitely like no that's not true what's really happened in the last stage when you see mountains and mountains mountains as mountains and rivers as rivers again what's really happening is you're unifying this together in yourself and you can see the relative aspects and the infinite aspects and it's still extraordinary right the other cool part that you brought up earlier daniel as we kind of get to the end of it was the flower ornament sutra and the Yen school that tries to also say this right in its own way so in the beginning you know you see um you see the true void, you see the infinite empty qualities of things. But then you also see the, um, the non-obstructive, you know, uh, relative aspects of things. And you see those as kind of then ultimately uniting. So there's kind of a similar three-step idea. First you see the true void you know, the empty formless quality of things. And then you see the non obstruction of that empty formless quality with all of these kind of relative things that we see around us, you know, that there's this uh, infinite aspect and this relative aspect. And then ultimately, you even see that all the relative aspects are connected together, you know, so we're all entwined in all these different levels, right, in this kind of miraculous way. It was pretty great the way he did it. So that's the kind of the flower ornament sutra. I think that last part is really interesting. You know, like on the one hand, you can see like the formless, huge aspects, infinite aspects of things. And then you can also see how that infinite aspect is connected with everything. Right. And eventually you can see that every little tiny relative aspect is also entwined with one another. (laughs) We're all entangled on these multiple levels. And that's kind of like the flower ornament sutra way of thinking. I think we have that in Chinese medicine, you know, where you realize that everything is kind of like a hologram, you know, every little part of who you are is like mirrored in every other little part of who you are, mm-hmm. you know, that's why you can do like auricular acupuncture. You can treat the whole body through the ear or whatever. Right.
0: Yeah. I had a friend of mine who's a massage therapist, but studies uh, shiatsu, which is a, you know, Chinese based uh, massage or Japanese based I don't know. Um, I, guess I technically Japanese. Yeah, yeah, technically way, it's Japanese, yeah. but they study Chinese. They, they study TCM, oh, yeah, Chinese
1: Chinese theory,
0: right? Yeah, they study yeah. Chinese theory, and, and what he was saying is that like he loves, he believes that, and it is these are his words, not mine. That that kind of Chinese medicine is the king of the alternative, or queen, but the head <laughs> of the alternative medicines, you know, in the in the world, because it is the you know probably most well studied, but one of the only, if not the only, medical system where everything is agreed upon to be related.
1: Yes, yeah, it's, as- it's cool. Yeah, all
0: yeah. aspects of the things are, are are work in tandem with each other.
1: Yeah, I guess we want to give a shout out to our previous episode, our Mary Kay Ryan episode. She was saying in shamanic practice, boom, same idea, same right. Thing. Everything is entwined,
0: right? Yeah, and that's a lot of the, and that's you know, Chinese, the the, the Chinese medic, modern Chinese medical theory, you know. I, cut up and bastardized and, and changed to who knows what in some point and from who knows where, because it just was put together not that long ago, but it's based on Taoist traditions, Taoist ideas of, of these kinds of, ex, of this exact ideology that we're talking about right now. And, you know, this, you know, kind of like coming from interconnectedness from, you know, everybody being as sort of a singular entity, not one as in not being anything more than one, but all together. And it's uh it's, it's an ideology that, Puts you closer, I think, to all other beings as opposed to further away from them. And inherently, if you feel closer to people, then you're more likely to live in a way that is uh, more encompassing and loving and compassionate because you feel you're in connection with things, right? And I think, you
1: know, when Dr. Thurman's saying, he's saying, you actually feel like you kind of are that person in the sense. Yeah. You know, there's a way in which that separation between you and them is illusory. Yeah. So as we get to the end of it, I know we're, we're, we're kind of, you know, we've done our commentary, right. It's the best we can do with this, trying to go through some of the individual things that Dr. Thurman said, and just give a little bit more of our own reactions to them. Right. And you know, what always gets me with this Dan, me with this, Daniel is like, it's, it's really saying some pretty radical things. And I, I, I will never lie about that. You know, they're saying some pretty trippy shit. They're saying a part of you is infinite. Right. And a part of you is infinite in a way that connects with all other relative things right? So on the one hand, there's an infinite part that almost fills all space, like what you were talking about, Daniel, right? Even having that experience, you sort of had that in your life, right? And there's a part of you that also is then interconnected, interconnected with all these relative things, all the things around you, you're entwined. And then the last part in the, in the flower ornament sutra is even all those relative things are all entwined with one another, right? Everything is just enmeshed in this great big net. Sometimes I describe it as like Indra's net, right? A great, vast net where every bead in the net reflects every other bead. They try to give these images, right? Which is what Dr. Thurman was doing. You know, he's giving his images to see if they can kind of like trick our minds into thinking something. <laughs> I know when he did his like, that's, that's it. Sometimes someone will just say something to you and it clicks, right? So they give you a million images just to try to get it to click, but that's the idea. Um, and then he kind of closed with the idea like, you know, also these are just tools to help you understand something. So none of them are meant to be dogmatic. You're not supposed to run around and, you know, chase people saying you have to think about it this way or that way. And, you know, and you've been really strong in pointing that out, Daniel, right? You know, and then uh, and I, what I found good in the end is he was really wrapping it up. And is he was saying like, well, then don't get don't get discouraged. You know, there's a miraculous aspects of things. So even though there might be these problems that seem daunting, you know, he was saying, you know, um, there's more to reality than what it looks like. There are extraordinary aspects of reality, and you know, don't give up right? Keep trying, Mm -hmm. right? When I had these Zen retreats, it would be really painful. I can remember the one mentor of mine there. He was like a high school, like a swim coach, (laughs) high school, like gym coach. And so he had this quality, you want to give up and you know, you're, it's uncomfortable. You're sitting in the Zen retreat. You're like, this sucks. I want to quit. And he would sense that and he would just shout out like, don't give up, don't give up. And you'd feel that little burst of inspiration, right? From this other person, just, you know, recognizing agreed yeah so I guess we did uh, uh, it was a great episode with dr. Thurman. I was really glad we really great we got to have this follow-up discussion a joy talking with all that uh, all of this about uh, all, with all of this uh, with you Daniel
0: like, yeah you yeah, as well Eric like yeah. yeah yeah and for everybody who uh, gets a chance to to listen to the episodes you know please feel free to send any uh, questions or, or comments to the email gin at gmail.com uh, we definitely love the feedback. You know, we have the, the YouTube the Facebook, the Instagram, uh, Jin and Tantra. You can just search and, and, and find us. Always, you know, like, subscribe, share all the things that I'm supposed to say. Uh, but really, you know, it does help the show to, to kind of give it to people who you think might find some benefit out of it. So, uh, yeah, we're grateful to be doing this. Obviously, Eric, you and I together for, you know, however long we've been doing this now, eight, eight nine months or so. And preparation before this was probably a year or two, if not more. And, um, you know, really happy to have had um, Professor Thurman on to talk about things that we're passionate about, but to get it from somebody who's been studying it for so, so long and lives. It is, uh, it, it's really an honor. And so I was, you know, glad to be able to say thank you uh, to him, Eric. I'm glad to be say, uh, to be able to say thank you to you. And for everybody who is listening to this, um, I thank you for being the, uh, one of the motivational factors in us doing this. So, uh, Eric, if you have anything else.
1: No, I think well said, Daniel.
0: Perfect. Well, it's a, Eric- it's
1: a labor of love, right? Absolutely. So we're trying to get out to people. And, you know, at this point, I think, like we were saying, I think we have ep- like an episode with Dr. Thurman. Hopefully we can get out there and share it with people so people can enjoy his words of wisdom and inspiration.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And just a different kind of thought process for folks that might not ever hear it again and maybe they will hopefully. So uh, for Eric, this is Daniel. Thanks for tuning in to Jin and Tantra. We'll catch you guys in the next one. Peace. To get together. I want you to get together, I want you to get together, put together one time, I want you to get together, I want you to get together.